The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble Hoop Ball Presentation. I'm your host Corbin Ford. You can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Like I said, Hoop Ball Presentation. So check us out on Hoop Ball Online Hoop Dash Ball Dot Com. On Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Definitely make sure to do that. A lot of great content, a lot of great pods and such going on there. Today is Thursday. Yes, it is the 8th of July. And it is also time for the Mock Draft Round Ball Ramble Edition. Yeah, 1.0. It's going to be really simple. I'm just kind of keep it to the lottery for now. Talk about my teams, talk about the fit, talk about where I think these guys may go just just the simple things really nothing nothing too crazy here um again my methodology for at least the first one is best player um available within a, with the site eye toward fit if it's like too close to the hall then I'm, i might go a little differently but for the most part i'm going with you know what i think is a good fit here so Let's do it. So I'm going to run through the team that's drafting. I'm going to talk a little bit about the prospect, you know, height, weight measurements, a little bit about them, why I think they fit with the team they have, while discussing, I guess, some of the team's needs for them to be picking that player. So without further ado, the Detroit Pistons have the first pick in the 2021 NBA draft. And who are they taking? So many choices, so many choices. But in the end, there's only one. It's Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. He's the point guard, shooting guard, freshman from there. Uh, Cade is six foot eight, two hundred and twenty pounds. A guy who has great passing vision, can execute well, reads, thinks the game at a high level, has great size. I mean, come on now, that frame is more like a almost like a LBJ, you know, Luka Doncic type size. Um, his good creation ability, he shot forty percent from three, so you know he can do that. He can create space to get shots for himself and for others. Um, he uses size well, and he's an effective shooter and scorer from all three levels. So you have that going for him. Uh, one, you know, maybe weakness. You know, he had turnovers. A lot of them. He was had more turnovers and assists at Oklahoma State. Now, a lot of the missed assists was because of who he's playing with. Who, quite frankly, his teammates. I don't want to knock him, but they didn't convert a lot of his baskets. They did not make it easy for the brother to get assists. Um, turnovers, though, he did try a lot. Sometimes it didn't work. Um, hence, turning the ball over. Um, he doesn't have an elite first step or, or that quickness to, to blow by defenders athletically. I, I don't want to compare him to Luka in that way, but he's going to get to his spots by his craft and, and guile. And and, I, and basically, yeah, those are the buzzwords for those who don't really have the athleticism to just kind of get where they need to go. He has some, but it's not like, okay, constantly going to him to create that separation off the bounce is something he's going to be able to do. It's probably not. So that's that. Uh, but honestly, aside from that, he is easily the best player on the board. He's been the best player for, what, the last year and a half, two years, from what I've known, um, even before, you know, having um, guys on, like, I had with Raphael um, before just kind of going through the draft board, or like I had when I talked to Stone Hansen. He's clearly the guy, clearly number one. And Detroit, when you're a team that needs pretty much everything, um, that's who you grab. I think my one concern, it's not really a concern, but how does he fit with Killian Hayes? Uh, being the Killian Hayes really played primarily on ball, doesn't have the jumper yet to play off ball effectively, in my own opinion. And, and then you have him um, 
and Cunningham in the backcourt area. You also have Jeremy Grant as well. So just kind of working it and figuring out. I mean, Jeremy Grant's more or less in the prime of his career now. So, you know, that kind of gives Cade a little bit of a break in terms of being able to feed someone, you know, with the hot hand who's definitely going to be able to put the ball in the basket. Uh, but I wonder, since Cade can play on and off ball, if they just slide him at the two, you know, two slash three, kind of be that combo playmaking forward, and then let Killian be the point guards until, you know, he finds some off-ball utility. Probably overthinking it, but that's where I have Cade with Detroit. Uh, really think it's a no-brainer. Although I do have the pushback, there has been some talks about, you know, Detroit um, looking around and evaluating all options. It's called doing due diligence. And when you're a team with the number one pick, you're a team with the number 15 pick, you want to make sure that you cover all your bases. I don't see... Detroit doing anything that is out of the ordinary, it makes perfect sense, and they are still going to go with Kate Cunningham at number one. Number two for Houston, I have Evan Mobley. And, you know, maybe in round by round ball, mock draft, round ball, round ball, mock draft 2.0, I'll move him around. But as of now, I couldn't move him past two. I think with Mobley getting someone, he's seven feet, 215 pounds. He's someone who has unique talents in being able to stretch out, shoot the J, you know, make a little bit of the three. He's a fluid athlete. He's able to guard multiple positions. He switches well. He can block shots. Someone who can kind of anchor a defense. And that scoring, like I said, is versatile. He can go in different ways. Um, now, he only made 30% of his three-pointers at USC, but he was a 69% free throw shooter, which does bode well. You know, if you are one that buys into free throw shooting, being a barometer of potential three-point shooting success, that's something we saw there. Uh, one thing I am worried about him, he has a high center of gravity and, and, and definitely adds some muscle. So, you know, I mean, you're not playing the Joel Embiid's with Nikola Jokic's of the world more than you know, three times, I guess, or so, depending on what conference you're in. But at the same time, you know, right now, he's definitely one that's going to be kind of side of frame. And if he's in a front court alongside Christian Wood, you know, you wonder about the fit there. But I'm not worried about that on the offensive end as much. I feel like one could play the four, you know, on that end. One could play the three. Christian Wood could probably take on some of the, the, the bigger guys in a defensive matchup where you leave um, Mobley more to switch around. Like, you're, you're bringing back the Twin Towers of old for the Houston Rockets. Remember they had in the um, early to mid-'80s, I think from, like, 83 to 88, between um, Hakeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson. That's kind of what you're doing with Evan Mobley and Christian Wood. Uh, and I think it'll work out okay. Uh think Mobley is a guy that he's just a unique center that's kind of built for this day and age with his skill set um the way he's able to move around the way he can kind of switch from all angles and if he's shooting that three ball and can pick that up a lot more than just 30 percent I think we really have um a serious problem in our hands Houston we have a problem <laughs> number three third team up is the Cleveland Cavaliers, and who do I have them selecting? I have them selecting Jalen Green, who spent last season in the G League at night. Jalen Green is 6'5", 172, and he is explosive. He's a bouncy athlete, can finish above the rim. He has no problem usually getting there. He's definitely more of a modern-day two because of that size, athleticism, and the fact that he can put the ball in the basket. Um, I think of all the prospects I've looked at so far, Easily one of the best in terms of creating and scoring. That self-creation is amazing. Um, his ability to be able to score from, you know, at the rim, shoot the three, has some confidence there. Um, being able to kind of get in the mid-range, like his step back. He has a, a pro toolbox of moves to get buckets. It's going to fit right in. His fit in Cleveland's going to be interesting because you have to wonder what Cleveland's doing right now. Uh, they have 
Darius Garland moving forward. Uh, there have been questions for the last two years concerning the potential fit of um, Colin Sexton and where he goes there um, in terms of are they going to offer an extension? Is he too selfish for teammates? Whatever the case may be. With Jalen Green, if you want to bring him off the bench and have him kind of spell uh, Colin or maybe even develop some point guard chops coming in for Darius Garland, you can do that. If you are clearly going to move on from Colin Sexton, then you just bring in Jalen Green and have him slide in alongside Darius Garland. He's also closer to his age a little bit, Garland's that is, so you have that backcourt for the future right there. Uh, I think it's a nice fit. I think he does bring uh, clear signs of someone who right now I wouldn't give the ball to and just say make our team happen, but in the future I could see him being that guy that, you know, you can turn two down to stretch um, to kind of close out games. I can see him hitting some game-winning shots. Jalen Green seems to be that guy for me. He did this already with the G League Ignite, playing against other, you know, ex-NBA players, players trying to go to the NBA. He has this type of knowledge on NBA coaching, strategy, you know, how to prep, that sort of thing. So the learning curve isn't going to be nearly as crazy, and then he can just come in and, and just fit and go to work doing what he do. Number four. Got the Toronto Raptors. And who do I have them taking? Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. Jalen Suggs is 6'4", 205 pounds. Uh, kind of shooting guard, play the point guard. He's just a fiery guy. His motor's always going. Uh, he can slash to the rim very well. He has the ability to finish with both hands once he gets there. Very good passer. Um, great reads on his passes. Great eyes in terms of looking for open teammates. He rebounds the ball well. And he's someone who can also shoot pretty well. Um, I think it was 34% this past year. That can definitely go up. Um, he's a creator, so someone who can make offense for himself and for others. Um, you know, if you're the Raptors right now, you're kind of heading into an uncertain future with Kyle Lowry. What better, what better way to either move on or continue to support Lowry and and, and transition to the next era of, of Raptors basketball than with a player who's very much like Kyle Lowry in this type of mold. Uh, you know, he did tail off just a little bit toward the end of the year from three-point land, but, I mean, hitting 33.7% to be just completely accurate is not horrible on 104 attempts. He definitely got it up. Uh, he's a playmaker on defense. Sometimes he can, you know, go for the home run swing in terms of trying to make that big steal and gamble and lose, and then it leads to open shots on the other end, you know, for the team. But for the most part, I like the way that Jalen Suggs plays. He plays within himself. I think he'll be a perfect fit for Toronto, playing alongside uh, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam if they decide to go that way. If they decide to, you know, make more of a move toward youth, I definitely feel that he can stay there as well and be the guy that you start building around for the future. So either way, it just seems like Jalen Suggs in Toronto is the perfect fit. Right. Top four are easy in terms of players that were definitely going to be there. After that, I think it gets kind of weird in terms of... Uh, we talked with Scotty and we talked with Raphael on this show about how, you know, five through the rest of the lottery, six through the left of the lottery, it's almost like a coin flip in terms of, oh, this guy could fit here, this person could play here, that sort of thing, not a hard and fast rule. You have two guys left in that 5-6 position. I've gone back and forth over where they go. By the way, the two teams that are drafting 4-5 and 6 are the Orlando Magic and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Both teams kind of need everything. Um, both teams are going to get players right now that have great defensive upside and have or offensive games that definitely need to be worked with. Um, and those two guys are both forwards. And uh, for Orlando, I, I'm going to ultimately end up going with Jonathan Kaminga. While for Oklahoma City at six, I'm going to ultimately end up going with Scotty Barnes. And let me tell you why. So Kaminga, you know, they're, they're trying to go 
best player available, you would think, because they have a lot of guys who are just solid, just okay, but don't have that one clear guy. Um, but I feel like if you get Jonathan Kaminga, he's 18. He's one of the youngest. He's a guy who, you know, could ultimately potentially become um, a, a scoring wing with creation skill. He's already very strong, very athletic. He did not shoot the ball well percentage-wise. I think he went out to prove he played in the G League Ignite team. I think he went out to prove that he could shoot the J, and just by trying to prove that harder only, you know, kind of further cemented that right now he cannot shoot the J. Um, but he can kind of develop it. His shot form doesn't look extra wonky. It really just doesn't seem to be going in at the time. So get consistency, you know, get some um, some reps in in terms of practice in this offseason, um, being able to work with an NBA team, able to work, you know, potentially with the Magic. I think he can get there, you know, get that improvement. His upside is tremendous there, and the versatility and defensive tools that he brings will only mesh well with an Orlando Magic team that already has Jonathan Isaac, that already has Chumo Kiki. Uh, you have a forward tandem that is going to be just wreaking havoc on the defensive end if you are the Orlando Magic. He has great positional size. Um, Kaminga kind of shows a, a, a archetype of someone who could be a jumbo-type playmaker at 6'8", 205 pounds. Has great craft in terms of off the dribble. Um, I think he's a good finisher around the rim, and he's someone who, again, defensively uh, can use his size in different ways because he's positionless in that way. Uh, again, we talked about three-point shooting, his weakness. He shot 65 attempts in the G League bubble. He made 16 of them. That is 24.6%, folks. It was very, very rough. Uh, he's definitely kind of raw on, on both ends, but especially on the offensive end, and needs to improve as a shooter on offense for sure. That jumper is sort of his swing skill, um, and I don't even feel there's another one remotely close for Jonathan Kaminga. For Scotty Barnes, 6'7", 227. Oklahoma City, he's someone who uh, defensively I would put even better than Kaminga. Elite size, being a little taller, a little heavier than Kaminga. Switchable defender at Florida State was able to guard all five positions. He played a lot of point guard over there. Average just what? Just over four assists per game. He's good passing and playmaking ability at that position. His handle isn't great. I would compare more to Ben Simmons in that it's more good enough. But he's capable of pulling down rebounds, running off of, of, of transition, making, you know, offensive opportunities for the team in transition, running off of turnovers from the other team. I think he's solid in that way. Um, he definitely can improve in his dribbling to be like a pure like point forward type player. I'd put him right now as a Ben Simmons. In the way that Ben Simmons kind of has been miscast as his point guard type of offensive initiator that I don't think he is. He's someone that can definitely initiate offense at times, but he's not your go-to guy there. I would put Scotty Barnes in that same category. I would not put him as the go-to guy there all the time, but he's somebody who can, you know, create offense for a team be that Draymond Green light type role even though I would trust Draymond more I still wouldn't have Draymond as your point guard for the Golden State Warriors whether or not Steph Curry was available or not if that makes sense as a shooter not very good um he shot 27 percent from three 62 percent from the free throw line again just like we talked about with Mobley if you believe that his free throw shooting is projectable to a three-point shot if you're Mobley, then you do not believe that if you're Scotty Barnes, um, because it just looked rough. His shot is very mechanical, kind of stiff. When it missed, it was kind of bad. A lot of air balls in that bad boy. It was it was a different look altogether for Scotty Barnes um, shooting that J. He definitely needs to improve that, get some consistency there, uh, because right now teams are going to be more than happy to let that brother let that shot go, um, miss to his heart's content, and go from there. So something he needs to work on for sure. Aside from that, though, I really like his potential fit with the Thunder. Uh, right now, they're just asset accumulation, you know? Uh, you have Barnes, you could have Alexei Pokashevsky, uh, 
they have you know very interesting skill sets in that front court uh and they have just great physical tools in terms of that length and athleticism so that'll be a nice fit um for Oklahoma as they try to start building back up for their next great team you know in a couple years time all right number seven Golden State not really sure what Golden State's doing if I had to have my say I think they trade this pick for more of a win now contributor because right now you know you could get a guy in this draft that can help but you're either going to go with someone who's a little older, maybe lower upside, or go with someone who's younger, but it's like, okay, that's not really where we're at right now with 33 coming Steph Curry, 31-year-old Draymond Green, and 31-year-old um, Clay Thompson in the mix. We're trying to win now. You know, they're trying to find pieces that are going to make a difference for them to continue to compete at championship level. Uh, news just came out yesterday, day before, you know, the Kelly Oubre, you know, he had an interview basically wasn't, he didn't sound particularly enamored with his experience at Golden State. I don't think he returns, so you definitely want to bring somebody there who is going to be able to, um, you know, eventually hopefully start alongside Seth Curry and Clay Thompson, but, you know, make the most of his opportunities off the floor, kind of mitigate those rookie mistakes, and, and kind of see where it all goes from there. And so with that, I've been thinking, and I've decided I'm going to draft James Booknight. Yep, that's right. I'm going with James Booknight, the shooting guard from Connecticut. Um so far you know scouts have raved about his pro day and his shooting uh he looks like he's going to be able to squash some concerns that he had about maybe not shooting the ball as well percentage wise um while in connecticut but the dude is a diverse score he can just like Jalen green just not to his extent get the ball in the bucket in a variety of ways he's a flashly athlete who can get to the rim finish above it once he gets there i like his defense i think his size and length is okay there um he's not just amazing on that end but definitely solid um good at you know embracing contact and finishing even with that so again something come in instant offense create create scoring opportunities for himself and potentially for others um also i have to shout out to my friend mark schindler my bro uh, over at premium hoops did a great piece on book night so definitely make sure to check that out um just put mark schindler um james book or premium hoops james book when you um search for his name that we can get just a thorough breakdown of this guy from a friend of mine who really is starting to get in the scouting game and of course is killing that as well uh weaknesses for book Knight, i would say you know um he had some um elbow surgery last year looked up didn't look the same player upon his return there i still think he's solid i still think he's gonna be a great fit for golden state and you know, there is some concern that his production as a scorer came primarily off of the classic, you know, good stats, bad team guy, where you're like, hey, take all the shots you want, you know, percentages be danged, and, you know, we're going to sink or swim with you. Of course, you know, if you have 30 shots a night, you would hope that you could score 20 plus, but if it's 20 points on 30 shots compared to 20 on 15, I mean, come on, I know I'm talking to smart, educated hoop people here, we obviously know it's not super great, so... Well, I see a lot of his comparisons being Jordan Clarkson. I tend to agree with that um, completely. I think that that's kind of where he tends to fall on my end as well. Just someone who, you know, he's going to come up the floor and give you buckets with, you know, maybe an iota of playmaking ability and someone who at least defensively will hold his own, not going to bake, break the bank um, in either area in terms of, oh my gosh, this guy is crazy. But if he can come in, know his role and do it well, you know, and be able and be able to maybe be projected to do that over, you know, a couple of years' time, maybe he could be a valuable contributor for a team like Golden State that is trying to win right now. So something I am encouraged by. Um, we'll see if he finds his way there, but he would be going there at number seven. 
Atlanta Magic have the number eight pick in addition to the number five. And if they improve their front court with the number five pick, I would want them to improve their back court with the number eight pick because, again, Orlando has a lot of decent young players but needs that guy. Are they going to find that with the guy I'm selecting here at number eight? Not sure, but we're going to find out because right now you have Cole Anthony, Markel Fulton, RJ Hampton, RJ Hampton, excuse me, all solid players. But who's that one guy who's going to be like the next, you know, player on the next great Orlando Magic backcourt. I'm not sure. And it might just be Davion Mitchell. That's right, Davion Mitchell, 6'2", 205, swingman from Baylor. Uh, strength for him, pretty good off-ball defender. Uh, his athleticism is quick twitch, like able to move just, you know, like I said, quick twitch. <laughs> Burst by defenders off the ball, um, get to the rim with ease. Uh, I think he's a very solid passer. I think he's a very good creator. Um, he has decent court vision as well. And every year, he's improved his three-point shot, um, culminating last year where he made 44% of his 141 attempts. That is solid from three in terms of volume, in terms of accuracy. That is very good to see from him. Um, maybe some weaknesses. I mean, for an NBA point guard, eh, 6'2", it's all right. You know, it's not super great. It's kind of small there, but whatever. Um Definitely reliant on going to a strong hand. Uh, not quite last year's Killian Hayes going to his left hand with that, but someone who's in the ballpark of, okay, I have a hand I'm good at, I'm just going to keep going to that hand. Uh, from his free throw shooting, uh, again, weird. 44% from three, only 65% from the free throw line. And it's funny, a lot of his comparisons, he wears the same number, number 45, has similar, you know, last name and, and, and play style, but he's compared a lot to Donovan Mitchell, which I think is kind of hilarious, um, but also maybe not ultimately inaccurate. Uh, I think that's someone that can definitely develop uh, and be someone who is going to be that go-to guy for Orlando. Because right now, I look at Cole Anthony as that player only because you have questions about R.J. Hampton just developing in general. He's only 20, but still a lot to work on all over the place. Markel Fultz's jumper is not super great. Cole Anthony's good, but defensively not super great, and is more of a gunner right now. So you have questions on where these guys are all going to fit and make their mark. And you bring a guy like this, you know, in Davion Mitchell, Maybe he could be that guy that, you know, learns the ropes, kind of gets his lumps in. You're not going to have Markel Fultz at the beginning of the year, but someone who can kind of eventually help step right in and, and be the guy to take the magic home for a couple of wins and, and see where he fits. That's kind of what you're looking at right now. You want guys who are going to be able to fit um, for drafting, you know, where they are right now. There's no clear, um, this is the best player we have in terms of this is a go-to guy. But is Mitchell someone who can develop into that? I think so. I think he has the traits, and I, I think that's going to be something that the Magic should absolutely go for. Right, number nine, I have the Sacramento Kings, and what do they need? I mean, kind of everything, but what I'm going to go with is Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson, shooting guard, small forward, um, 6'5", 186, bouncy athlete. Check out Keon Johnson dunks, y'all. It is something to behold. Um love the way that he's able to finish it, it it's like he has an energizer bunny in his shoes and he'll just being a get up and go uh decent defensive player think he knows his where he's going to be in a team defense now he's not going to like the creme de la creme in sacramento but i think that he's going one where you know nba defense in general kind of knowing where he can fit knowing where to play in that concept and and what to execute um as a creator i think he has some upside there um someone who as he develops an offense can do a little bit more uh, and he's going to have to because going to his weaknesses, uh, he shot 26% from three. 
And he kind of wears bread with butter. He didn't take a whole lot of three-point attempts, but he took enough that 26 does not look good. He took 48 attempts from three. 26, yikes. And because of that, he's not really a threat to space the floor, which is why you love the bouncy athleticism and the way he's able to get above the rim, because right now that's pretty much all Keon Johnson can do with his shooting being that bad. Um, his handle also isn't super great, so you definitely don't know if you want to have a guy like that with so many glaring weaknesses in your, weaknesses in your top 10. Um, but the flashes he's shown have been pretty solid. I mean, he looks like a guy who could develop into, you know, a stud with just development and, and a lot of work. And I think that we're going to see that from him. Uh, this, again, is probably in the Rambo Rambo mock draft 2.0, the first shift I do for Sacramento, maybe not having him where I do right now, but but as of now, I, I like the fit there, you know, you're trying to figure out Tyrese Halliburton um, just came in last year, you've had Darren Fox the last couple of years, that's kind of your backcourt, this guy can come in, kind of play that two and three, you know, uh, come off the bench, spell Tyrese Halliburton, spell, you know, whoever they have running at the three, whether it's Harrison Barnes or, you know, the countless other guys that are fours really kind of masquerading as threes over in Sacramento. And I think potential, he's through the roof. As a player right now, a lot of stuff to work on, but I, I feel, I don't know, maybe irrationally confident that he will do that. Uh, I, I don't really know where I'm at with that. <laughs> Number 10, New Orleans Pelicans. I have them taking Kai Jones. Um... Kai Jones is six foot eleven, um, two hundred eighteen pounds. Uh, I think he's a big with high high upside. Um, he showed good shooting touch as a sophomore. He made thirty eight percent of his threes. Um, now mind you, it wasn't a lot of volume. It was less volume from three for his thirty eight percent than when we talked about Keon Johnson and his forty four attempts at twenty six percent. Kai Jones made 38% of his threes, yes, but he only took 34 of them. So, eh, you know, but it projects to be well. You'd think that if he ramps that up, that he will not maybe correspond at such a high clip, but definitely at a solid enough clip. Um, he also is a super athlete, able to get up, finish off the rim, um, use that uh, athleticism as an offensive, uh, um, what is that, a vertical floor spacer on the offensive end, someone who I think on the defensive end can also make an impact that way. Showed some flashes of playmaking, you know, along with the scoring and the mobility, again, to defend multiple positions. And in this NBA, I mean, if you can get a center who can do that, someone who is 6'10", 6'11", and can make an impact uh, across a variety of positions on the defensive end, that's someone that you want to look at because that potential is huge, as well as their immediate fit now ability. And on a Pelicans team that, you know, maybe trying to move on from Steven Adams, who they did sign that extension, weirdly enough, you know, someone who may be able to ultimately play as a better fit alongside um, Zion Williamson than maybe, per se, Jackson Hayes, who have actually seen as a comparison for Kai Jones. Uh, he's someone who I think could fit quite well in New Orleans. So that's who I have going there. Um, weaknesses, I mean, definitely just like we talked about Evan Mobley. It seems like when you have these high upside bigs who can switch, you know, and move around, have these, like, you know, uber-athletic traits, they, they always need to add strength. They're always kind of those tall, lanky types that need to add some bulk for when they play, you know, those real centers who are going to go down the post and go to work. Kai Jones is no exception. He definitely needs to do that. Uh, for his size, he's just an uh, okay rebounder. Um, which isn't that bad when you have Zion kind of getting what he does, but at the same time, you need to be there in that front quarter and make a lot of an impact there. Um, 
and I just wasn't impressed by what I saw there. Also, again, another guy who shot decent from three but did not shoot well from the free throw line, so take that for what you will. 38% on low volume from three, 55% on more volume from the free throw line. So definitely make sure to kind of take that with a grain of salt, kind of observe that. I'm not a shooting doctor at all. If you see my shot, it's a Sean Marion variant, um, but it goes in, and that's how I judge it. And so if it goes in for uh, Kai Jones, and I think we are doing okay in my book. Next up, to bat, got the Charlotte Hornets, who I have taking Moses Moody. Uh, Moses Moody, just a, a tall, lanky guard who can shoot the three ball. Um, that's how I look at him in terms of his uh, potential fit off the bat with the Hornets. Someone who's going to make an immediate impact in terms of fit because of his NBA-ready skill set. And I think when you look at a player like that, you are excited. Uh, 19 with six foot six, 205, a 3-and-D guard. Uh, like I said, really good shooting around the perimeter, good mechanics when taking those shots at a decent release. It's actually kind of quick. Uh, he tempted most of his threes in catch-and-shoot scenarios. Now, when you're playing with a guy like Lamella Ball, I think we get a lot of those. Um, even with a, a secondary creator like a Terry Rozier, you'll be able to get those. And he shot 35% from behind the arc. So, you know, slightly above average shooter if he can go and continue that percentage in the NBA. Defensively, uh, one of his best traits is on the defensive end, so he's good there. He has a 7-1 wingspan, um, good job siding his feet, kind of using his length to, to keep the, the offense uncomfortable, you know, able to catch um, steals when you know, the offense is sleeping from the weak side um, and help out there. Uh, that, again, goes to him being able to play very good help defense. Uh, he averaged one steal a game and just under a block per game in his one season at Arkansas, and you can imagine that that would kind of improve a little bit in the NBA. Uh, finishing, he's pretty good at... Uh, Sometimes he'd lose the ball and get stripped, but for the most part, very good at getting to the rim and finishing there. Uh, passing, not super great there, um, but he didn't make many mistakes when he had to. He wasn't forced into an offensive creation role like an initiator like that, but when he did have to, it wasn't like he was terrible from that. So that's okay. Only a so-so rebounder, not a ball handler at all. Someone's going to come in with the skill set. I would almost compare loosely to a Cameron Johnson in the sense that he's one of the best three-point shooters in this draft. He's going to come in and make shots and maybe develop into more of a two-way wing with that defensive upside that he already possesses and, you know, just fitting into NBA defense, seeing how that all comes together. Really excited to see how that fits, and I think Charlotte would be a nice fit for him. For the Spurs, I have Josh Giddy going 12th overall to them. Uh, Josh Giddy, six foot eight, 205, played in Australia. Uh, great size, uh, especially for his position, which is more of this, like, playmaking forward type guy, uh, decent ball handler and pretty good distributor. I think he's going to be a plus creator in the NBA, uh, especially with his ability to make creative passes and his court vision, which I think is, is just really, really unique. Um, and a nice fit in terms of a change of pace for San Antonio, who, you know, already has a point guard in DeJounte Murray, but he could fit alongside, you know, Alani Walker, Derek White. He can kind of join that core with someone who's young enough to kind of grow um, in that Spurs system. Uh, he has a good understanding of pace. Um, he knows how to use angles, and he understands space. And I think that those uh, high IQ feels for the game um, that kind of come innately to him will be a great fit, especially with the cerebral uh, talent that he brings to a team like San Antonio that's already kind of known uh, for being, you know, a pretty, I don't want to say um, forward-thinking team, especially with the last couple of years and the resistance to shoot the three. But I do like him working with Pop and their coaching staff and developing some of the finer points of that within the NBA construct. A weakness, yeah, definitely needs to improve as a shooter. Um, not super great there statistically. Uh, scoring in general, he's okay, but something you work on as well. Um, has decent touch, but again, efficiency would be the name of the game when I look at Josh Giddy there. And as far as like bringing up Cade Cunningham, not comparing those two, even though they are both six eight, 
uh, you know, in the 200-pound range, but, like, he doesn't have that elite burst or that quick twitch to blow by defenders. It's a lot of craft again, a lot of guile, a lot of those buzzwords I mentioned about guys who don't really have, you know, great athleticism that get to the rim in other ways. Um, Josh Giddy definitely fits the bill on that, uh, but what he does bring to the table, um, both from an offensive and defensive end, is very, very solid, and I think it'll make a perfect, perfect fit for the San Antonio Spurs. Right, number 13, I have Corey Kispert uh, from Gonzaga going to the um, Indiana Pacers. And I like Corey there only because Corey, I don't want to compare him to a Doug McDermott. I don't think that that is completely fair. But Chama, another guy, like we mentioned, Moses Moody, another just great shooter. Um, a, a, a three-point marksman who, who arguably, with Moody, I would say, is the best shooter in the class. Um, you know, he, he's able to get his shots off in transition, able to get them coming off screens, you know, running the lane, off the bounce. Uh, you know, his shot doesn't change regardless of form. Uh, you know, he wasn't asked to be a ball handler, um, you know, in college, but he's a decent enough dribbler, you know, able to put the ball on the floor on a closeout, you know, rise up for a jumper, get all the way to the basket, um, you know, on, on a defense that is over switching or whatever the case may be, a solid passer who doesn't try to do too much um, and plays within the flow of the game, I think that's solid as well, and defensively, I mean, he makes the most of his 6'7", 220-pound frame. You know, he doesn't have quickness or athleticism in that way, but his IQ and his effort there, his scrappiness will, will kind of help to compensate for some of that. Um, yeah, he can get burned alive on some switches. I would not want to see him on a Kyrie Irving, for example, or guys of that ilk. But at the same time, um, he knows how to get to where he needs to go. He rotates well, puts himself in the right spots, and I think he's a smart help defender. Um, with that being said, like I said, weaknesses by no means a lockdown defender um lateral quickness is a problem he's going to get lit up by some guards in the nba y'all like darren fox you know russell westbrook like there's gonna be some guys where it's gonna be a problem 100 percent um so that's gonna be a thing uh and i think that he'll be targeted in pick and rolls relentlessly because of that uh i can see we even see the Suns with chris paul and devin booker i can see them doing that relentlessly to him as well on the offensive end um you know he's good i just think that maybe creating his own shot is something that he doesn't have right now uh yeah, like I said, he can put the ball on the floor and create off the bounce a little bit in terms of, oh, I close out too hard. Oop, I pump fake. I drive to the rim. But, like, no, I'm not going to pump fake, you know, hit you with a step back, a little left or right crossover. No, I'm not bringing any of that jazz. I don't have those off-the-dribble moves like that. Uh, pretty much he's a traditional spot-up-or-catch-and-shoot guy who can do a little bit. I'd put him more, let's say, Joe Harris than Danny Green in terms of creation off the dribble after a closeout, but it's very limited in terms of what you're going to get from that creation there. And you know what? That's fine. Knowing where you are as a player, you know, knowing um, your strengths and weaknesses is good. We see Joe Harris totally got the bag. We've seen Danny Green get it as well. It's not like that is an issue at all for players like that. And when you're drafting 13th, I think that you're nice, um, you know, for every Devin Booker or whatever you might get, you might get a guy who is just solid and knows where he needs to be. And that is what I think you're going to get with Corey Kisberg. All right. And for the lottery, for my last pick, round ball ramble, round ball ramble mock draft i was about to say round ball ramble three times round ball ramble mock draft 1.0 say that 14 times fast um i have the golden state warriors on the board and who do i have them taking i have the golden state warriors taking franz wagner yep that's right franz wagner from michigan brother of the great mo wagner um i have him going to the warriors uh 6'9 220 pounds he averaged 12 points, six and a half rebounds, three assists, and a steal in 30 minutes per game. Um, what I like from him 
in Golden State's potential fit. I think that as a wing player, he has a good size and length to create advantages. Um, he did that well in college. I think he'll do that in the NBA. He can make some plays off the dribble in terms of initiating offense. So that's, you know, going into a pick and roll, um, using a pump fake and, and taking a mid-range jump shot, you know, um, a quick dribble drive and a dish to the open guy. Like creating some offense as a second side creator, I think is something that Franz Wagner has potential to do. Um, he has tons of arc on his shot, a little bit of range there. So it wasn't the greatest in terms of making it a little slow getting into it, but, I mean, it wasn't horrible either, and so you have um, some potential to, to become a solid three-point shooter as well. Um, he covers so much ground driving to the basket. He has long strides in transition, just getting there. Um, really cool to see that, and he's just long. He's just long. Being able to play with guard skills with a guy that is just everywhere, arms and legs, like an eel, like an octopus in that way, it's really kind of cool, um, especially when buying into a team defense that the Warriors would... Um, definitely employ, you know, learning from Draymond on the defensive end. Um, he was already a very good team defender, so imagine taking that high defensive awareness and putting alongside a master teacher in Draymond Green. What do you think you're going to get there? Okay, Especially with his arms and, and, and ability to kind of see plays developing, he did a great job um, deflecting passes, getting into the passing lanes, making things happen on that end, then being able to finish in transition, but ultimately looking as a very solid glue guy. Um, you know, he's able to, you know, affect the game in different ways. You need rebounding, okay, focus on that. Move the ball, he can do that. Shoot a little bit, that's fine. He'll play a little bit on the ball, play a little bit off the ball, um, both on offense and defense. So I, I do like where he fits in terms of a jack-of-all-trades, a um, little bit of everything, uh, almost like a Nicholas Batum, especially Nicholas Batum with the Poland Trailblazers early in his career, a little bit of, little bit of all that. You know, outside shooting, uh, taking care of the basketball, a couple of assists, a couple of stuff here and there. Uh, maybe a mix between him and, let's say, a Kyle Anderson is someone that I really think is a pretty solid fit uh, for Mr. Wagner. Uh, definitely could improve on his shooting, for sure. Um, you know, the Swiss Army knife is great to see, uh, but you do want to know where he's going to kind of find his, his, like, where his ultimate spot is. Is that going to be who he is in general? You know, like, is he going to just be a Swiss Army Knife player um, that's kind of a jack-of-all-trades master of none? Can he kind of project to being a solid three-point shooter with, you know, second-side ball handler chops long-term? You know, someone who comes with a change of pace off the bench or change of pace initiation um, for offense after, you know, Steph Curry and Draymond Green or playing alongside Draymond Green in that way? Those are questions I wonder about when it comes to Wagner. Um, but aside from that, I'm really excited to see where he potentially fits, and I think he'll go much, much higher than where I have him. In fact, even when I do round ball ramble mock draft 2.0, he'll probably be much higher. But if he were to slip all the way to 14 where the Golden State Warriors would get him, that would be a great fit for both parties concerned. So uh, definitely excited uh, by the potential there, but also excited by Wagner just as a player. Uh, he had some real solid games that showcased a little bit of everything for him. 21 points, you know, a couple rebounds, four assists. 21 points, six rebounds, three assists, three steals. That sort of thing. So, um, the potential's there. The potential's there. The hope is there, and we'll see where he falls. But that is a lottery version of Round Ball Ramble 1.0. We'll get back into this soon. Um, we have NBA Finals tonight, so I'm not sure if I'll have a scouting report of, or not scouting report, but like a mock draft for um, the rest of the first round uh, by tomorrow but definitely coming up here soon um definitely make sure to check out hoop ball on twitter again at hoop ball tweets online hoop dash ball.com again tonight nba finals game two phoenix Suns, milwaukee bucks things i'm looking for you know will Giannis look a little more spry having a little more treatment um is drew holiday going to show up 
on the offensive end. Uh, defensively, what do the Bucks do? Are they going to employ more of a drop scheme? Because we saw that did not work out very well. Are they going to employ more of a switch scheme? Because we saw that that did not work very well when they had Brooke Lopez in the game. So does that mean that they're going to go more to having Giannis at the five and trying to play that way? It's very much in play, very much possible, but you're going to have to give Brooke Lopez and um, Bobby Porter's minutes because they're part of your team in that way. And when you do, you know that Chris Paul, Devin Booker are going to go for that relentlessly, and that could very well be an issue for the Bucks. So defensively is more of my concern. Offensively, just hoping Drew Holiday steps up. You know that you know the Bucks over the last couple of years are always good for at least one Chris Middleton 40-point game. Just one, but at least one. But you know that they're good for it. You know, we saw it last year in Miami. We saw it a couple of years ago against Boston. One game, Chris Middleton's just going to go off, and it's just going to be nothing you can do there. And I wonder if game two of this series is that Chris Middleton game because offensively someone does need to step up not named Giannis you know and and see what happens there if it is Bryn Forbes getting hot from three that's great but defensively so much of a liability there I don't know if he can stay on the floor long enough to make an impact uh ditto for Bobby Portis in that way so you're looking at some of your starters and aside from Drew Holiday who I'm really hoping has a bounce back game uh I'm looking at Chris to just you know pour on the Jets pour in the points and take the Bucks home. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I don't think the Bucks win, and I think the Suns win, go to Milwaukee 2-0. I think if Milwaukee gets the victories, they're going to be done in Milwaukee. Um, but that's with the extra days of rest and being in the friendly confines of home. With that being said, we should be in for a great game, y'all. So definitely make sure to stay tuned for that on ABC um, 9 p.m. Eastern. So tune in there. Aside from that, y'all, this has been another edition of Round Ball Ramble. You know where to find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. I've been your host, Corbin Ford, and I am Frosty. Y'all say Frosty. I'll talk to y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.